boldness. Another edition of the bonus. Joining me, as he usually does, is Raphael Cullip. Hello, Raphael. The virologist is on the lands of the Bunurong people, and we are pay our respects to the elders, past, present, future, and emerging. And yes, we are recording remotely. Now, today we're lucky enough to have a guest in the studio, that is Sam, that is Sam Connor. We've, we've got Sam in to talk about the, well, the appalling rates of uh, COVID vaccination of people with disabilities and the Disability Royal Commission rep- report. Um, Sam, hello, and uh, do, you want to, do you want to tell us what, a, what how, uh, why has the um, why has the ro- rollout of uh, disability vaccinations been so appalling? Hi, Finn and Raph, and um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Look, I think it's a tricky thing. Um, I think that um, there's been a number of reasons that the vaccine rollout for disabled people has been appalling. One is that um, I think there's been there's a bit of a lack of understanding of you know, where we fit and people just assume that we are part of health and, you know, health, the Department of Health really don't have a, a great idea what disabled people look like or how we live, et cetera, et cetera, because as you know, that's very difficult for us to get health services. A lot of people have trauma related to health places, so we don't actually swim in that area. So I think there's been a number of um, stuff-ups and then I think there's been a Oh, look, I don't think it's I don't think it's unfair to say that we have been actively deprioritised, which are the words used at the Disability Royal Commission, and that we have been deliberately forgotten, disregarded and erased as the priority group who are the most at risk. And, and I should just say you are you are from the present of the or people with disabilities Australia. Um what so why why do you think we were deprioritised? That they seem to the, the government um, admitted that they that they did um, prioritise aged care people uh, in aged care, obviously with good reason because they are a vulnerable cohort. But why do you think people with disabilities were deprioritised in the vaccine rollout? So I think it's I think it predominantly was to do with um, them failing to understand who we are and where we live. They probably assumed that you know we would be still living in big nursing homes with 100 people in, in the same way that some aged care facilities or most actually are run. 
um, and people with disability with a sad, sadly some you know it's sad that there are exceptions that still exist but um, mostly don't live in big congregate places most people if they are in congregate places you know places where two or more people with disability are live together um, live in group homes and um, and those sort of areas and they real and then also a whole bunch of other areas like SRSs jails and disability justice centers and hospitals and boarding houses you know there's lots of different places um, I, I don't think they understood any of this and I think they thought look we'll just go ahead and pick the low-hanging fruit to protect as many people as we can and then they just didn't do anything so um, it's remarkable when you look at the Royal Commission transcripts around COVID and then also the Senate um, Select Committee transcripts from the 28th of September um, the testimony given in both is just remarkable so what, 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 what was, what were some of those, what were some of the, the, um, the, the testimony, testimonies given, or at least the uh, highlights thereof, if I could use such a word. Well, look, I think um, some, <laughs> some of the lowlights for me were that people are denying that we've been deprioritised, <laughs> and. Um, Gosh, I think some of it is more, some, and some of the objections about the term deprioritised, it's, you know, you, you read this stuff and there's more fantasy than in a Harry Potter novel, you know. It's really, you know, we know that um, from the testimony from the public servants, when they say, why didn't you do this, they don't have an answer. There's just not an answer. And we have repeatedly every day, for 20 hours a day actually at the moment, have been yelling over and over again, writing letters, writing emails, appearing in newspapers and radio and television saying, we need to make sure that those disabled people who are most at risk are safe, that's people living in congregate places and people who um, have high care and support needs who can't effectively isolate. And um, it's just been ignored to date. So it's, it's astonishing that people um, could you know that bureaucrats and politicians can turn around and say no look we haven't forgotten you when it's very very clear that they have on the 11th of September last month I met with um, Lieutenant General um, John Fruin at a community round table and said very bluntly look is there a, a target and is there a plan and he said not that I'm aware of this I haven't been given a target I was just told to get as many jabs and as many arms as many people as possible across Australia, no mention of disability and um, there was no uh, vaccine implementation plan as far as I'm aware. I haven't seen one and there is not a vaccine implementation plan for people with disability. What, apart from a, a, va apart from a vaccine uh, implementation plan, what, what needs to ch change do you think to make sure that people with disabilities do get access to to the COVID. Yeah. A really good question. I think, um, well, the first thing to do is to have a target and a plan, and really that should have happened before New South Wales opened up. They, um, you know, and, and none of us just want to play gotcha at the moment. We want to make sure that our people don't die. That is, you know, our biggest priority. Um, really, they need to make sure that we've got as many measures in place as possible to make sure that people um, who are most at risk are safe. I have 
really great concerns for people. Um, I spoke to our Vice President Kelly Cox um, this morning who told me that she'd heard from health and not from um, from NDIS or from you know the public figures. But in her region, northern New South Wales, up near Lismore, she was in Ballina, um, the rate of NDIS participants who are vaccinated is 29% and that's just shameful and terrifying, to be honest, if you're a person like us who has muscular dystrophy and will die, die from COVID. So what needs to happen is they need to say, look, we, we want to put in place targets. We may, need to get the logistics around this right. We need to get the messaging right. We need to engage properly with the disability community and understand you know, where people are, um, where they live and how to make them safe. Um, the disability sector has put out an 11-point plan, which is um, communicated at the beginning of last month through the PWDA website, as well as you know through a number of sector partners. And so, you know, we need to just make sure that these things are done. At the moment, they're not engaging. It's all just a case of political messaging rather than health messaging. And we want to get on board and make sure that people are safe now. Now, Sam, are we able to get a link to the 11 point? plan to do with COVID vaccinations for people with a disability? Yep, absolutely. If you just Google PWDA and 11 point plan, it will come up with the press release and the, and the plan, um, the sector plan. But I can I can provide you with a link at the end of the interview. What, Excellent. Thank what, you very much. What needs to, so what needs to, um, what needs to change particularly for People with intellectual disabilities, or people and people in residential uh, group group homes, to ensure that they're they're safe. Um, when when we open up, what what will ha what will happen to, to to those people specifically, or what's likely to happen? Yeah, really good question, Finn. So, I mean, for me, if I was a person who was living in a in a group home in New South Wales right now, there's no way I'd be bloody coming outdoors, you know. That would just be a dangerous thing to do now. Um, so we need to make sure that people have got access at home. Um, we need to make sure that, you know, our first priority is to make sure there's a plan and there's some sort of logistics around this. But we also need to make sure that if we treat this like a health crisis, not a political crisis, we need to make sure that... You know, we look at lessons learned. Um, I'll just very indiscreetly say um, that I know that one of the young women who died who was an NDIS participant in her 20s, um, she was aged in her 20s, um, she was a, um, a daughter of um, parents who didn't believe in vaccination. And so when you look at these sort of issues, I can understand that these might be tricky issues for disability service providers to resolve because, you know, if you have guardianship, something like that, what does that mean if you have a substitute disability, uh, you know, a substitute decision maker? But these are issues which should have been unpacked a very long time ago and, you know, and now they're starting to realise that actually if you're looking at risk and you're looking at this as a risk issue, it's not a case of being able to have a choice, you know, um, we're not talking about mandatory vaccinations for people with disability, but if that person, if you're saying that this person can't communicate, that they've got medical guardianship, but this is actually something that we know that disabled people are many, many more times at risk of dying from, 
this is a medical emergency and you don't treat it in the same way that you would around choices around having wheat mix or cornflakes. You know, this is actually about saving people's lives. So tricky things to be worked out, but, you know, I think providers are starting to get a bit of an understanding about that. Um, we need to make sure we've got more data and transparency of data because at the moment the data is um, rubbish and reported from one subset. And you know, we really need to make sure that we've got things like third jabs for people, um, not just the very small number of people that they've got listed who are immunocompromised, but for a whole range of people who we know have um, you know, weakened immune systems and as part of their disability, you know, like people with Down syndrome. So there's a lot of things that need to be done, um, but we're the we're the people who live and breathe this stuff. Um, you know, people in the, the disabled persons organisations and DROs know about this because we live it, and we are disabled people, and we talk to our people every day. So we're people who you know have an understanding of what is needed needs to be done. Now, Sam, it's just time we're going to play a couple of community announcements. And then we'll be back talking with Samantha Connor, President of People with Disabilities Australia, about COVID jab and vaccinations and more vaccinations for people with disabilities in Australia. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID to no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. Health for Profits is a campaign to oppose the Liberal Party's reckless drive to reopen, which threatens the health and safety of Australia's poor, working class and Indigenous communities. We demand an immediate return to a zero COVID elimination strategy before it's too late. Join us for online forums, activism and campaigns. To find out more, follow Health Before Profits Vic on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Health Before Profits is a 3CR supporter. Continuing the interview with Sam Connor, President of People with Disabilities Australia, we're going to play a song, Watching People by the Firestone Rock Band, because we as people with a disability are watching the government, making sure that people with a disability are getting a fair go about the future of what happens with the COVID jab COVID vaccination to make sure that everybody is safe.
That was the Firestone Rock Band with Watching People. And let's continue with the interview with Sam Connor, President of People with Disabilities Australia, about the COVID vaccinations. So we're back with Samantha Connor, President of People with Disabilities Australia. Now, talking COVID vaccines and people with disabilities. Now, the, the Royal Commission in its draft report under recommendation four said that people um, that said that uh, states and territories shouldn't shouldn't open should shouldn't open shouldn't uh, or shouldn't significantly ease restrictions once they re reach their seventy percent threshold of double dose vaccinations of the sixteen and over populations. In instead, they they should instead, particularly NDIS participants, people living in disability accommodation, and people with intellectual disabilities have and appreciate appreciate that they have had the opportunity to be fully vaccinated and all people all active disability support workers have been fully vaccinated um apologies for the rather bad wording there but that's the, the actual wording from the commission um at the t so at the time of recording this new south wales has opened up uh, reaching its 70 percent target and victoria will uh, open up sh shortly where we're broadcasting from. Ah, are states and territories doing enough to, to make it, us disabled people safe? And how best should they open up to ensure we are safe, Sam? Well, look, um, you know, we, we seem to just be talking about um, New South Wales and Victoria for obvious reasons. And I can be a bit bipartisan about, um, you know, your endless, endless war between New South Wales and Victoria and this and, and not be political about it, but just by observation that, um, I think Victoria are doing a lot more. They've just made a, an announcement of, um, putting in place, um, a disability liaison program, five million bucks sunk into it for rapidly, um, vaccinating people, announced a lot of disability hubs, and I don't see the equivalent amount of effort being put into New South Wales. Um, uh, Victoria also um, introduced mandatory vaccines, which is a little bit of a hot topic at the moment, for disability support workers and um, New South Wales, we've heard that they say that they're going to follow with that, um, but that hasn't eventuated to date and they've opened up. So this is, you know, can potentially have some catastrophic outcomes for people. I think the states that have done very, very well, and you could argue I think somebody said to me about the ACT that there were only 12 people and a dog that live there in terms of population, but it makes it easier. And that might be the case with a small population. But, you know, the ACT, I know that um, Craig Wallace, um, who's one of our former presidents of People with Disability Australia, worked very, very hard with the state to make sure that, you know, that there were places that were accessible, that people with disability could be vaccinated early on, and that the... I think because they're a smaller state and they've um, got good networks of disability and, and relationships between um, politicians and bureaucrats and ministers um, and the community, I think that's worked a lot better. And so I think that without that, the ACT could potentially have had some 
far more severe outcomes. So um, the answer to it is no, the states haven't done enough. Um, you know, and the problem that we have with this is that there really has been no clarity about, you know, who was responsible for what, and there's been a lot of blame shifting and treating it like a political crisis um, and playing gotcha, which is not what we need right now. What, what, so what, what, what do we, what do we need right, what do we need right now to to make us safe, Sarah? I think right now we need to make sure that we sit down with disabled people, their representative organisations, and that doesn't mean disability service providers, that means DPOs and DROs, and we need to make sure that the states and the feds sit down, shut up, and listen to people about what needs to be done, and then do it, you know, put in, put in, put into place the things that need to be done rapidly as a blitz, if you like, um, this it just we've outlined the steps that need to be done. It is a complicated and you know tricky issue, but we really need to make sure that there's enough effort put on this. Um, Seventy-two and a half percent of people who um, died last year were people with underlying conditions. We don't even know what that means in Australia because there's no research, there's no data, and the statistics are being hidden and you know concealed. So we need to make sure that. We have clarity, we have transparency, we have accountability, and overall, you know, over and above everything else, we have action. If so, if if this, if what, if the, I guess if if the government's response to to COVID for people with disabilities had happened to any other privileged group within society, I imagine there would be outrage, and yet there doesn't seem to be any level of outrage about what's happened to people with disabilities and COVID. Um, why, do you, why do you think that is? And secondly, what, what, does, it, what does it say about uh, main, mainstream society's attitude towards people with disabilities? Uh, I spoke to um, Trevor from Black Talk, which is a community radio station in New South Wales the other day. And he used this very good analogy and said, you know, up in the, um, in the regions for Aboriginal people, when the wet goes, you can see all the potholes in the road. And this is what's happening now. You can see all the systemic inequalities, you know, these potholes in the road. And I thought it was such a great analogy. Um, this is what's happening now. We can see the things that have already been there, but they've been magnified by a thousand percent. So people who are living with disadvantage, including us, poor people, including people with chronic health conditions, people who... Um, are workers and underpaid and have to work 17,000 jobs, you know, just in order to bring home food at the end of the week. These are the potholes that we're seeing in the road. So um, I think it says a lot about us as a society, but when you look at, you know, the responses in different areas and jurisdictions, I think it also says a lot about the leadership in, um, in those areas as to how we respond. And re really, we're only as good as, um, you know, the people that we're, you know, not walking past, right? <laughs> In terms of standards, we need to make sure that everybody is safe. There's not just a select um, group of people that need to be safe. We need to make sure every Australian counts. Now, uh, just finally, Sam, the PWDA, People with Disabilities Australia, have a campaign called Speed Up the Vax. Do you want to tell us about that and how people can get involved? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can um, tweet or use uh, Facebook, you know, to, to create a video or send it to our office, um, you know, t- talking about your own experience with vaccines and uh, just to get the message out there um, with that hashtag. Um, and there's also, you know, other people who are pushing for change as well. So there's OzSage, uh, O-Z-S-A-G-E.org, which, which has got a lot of information about um, vac- about ventilation and another website called nobodyleftbehind.com.au, which is another website which has got great information on it. Um, as, as I think we just keep screaming, we keep shouting, and we keep making sure that they get the message that we shouldn't be left behind in the, in the vaccine rollout. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening, Sam. Thanks so much, Finn, and, and Raph as well. And that was, that was Sam Connor from People with Disabilities Australia. So, Raph, any, any final words before we leave tonight? Disabilities, listen, the boldness has been talking to Sam Connor, President of People with Disabilities Australia, about COVID vaccinations for people with a disability We're going to go out with a song, Get Away by the Bipolar Bears. Keep listening to Completed by Lovely. The Boldness will be back on the 17th of November. Goodbye. See you then. Thank you very much. Polaroid